We are blessed today to receive the ministry of the word from Cynthia Griffith. She, say those who know, know, and we are so, so blessed. Cynthia and her husband Hyde have been pastors. Yes, and she said yes. Or was that you? Woo! Oh, okay. I didn't know if I'd hit a falsetto. Uh, we have been blessed to see, uh, well, they have been pastors and leaders in uh, local, local churches for decades. They have also been uh, marked of the Lord to establish, to birth prayer rooms, houses of prayer. In fact, um, Cynthia's led, or Cynthia and Hyde, led Texas Home House of Prayer Network. She oversees that, so that's an apostolic thing for the whole state of Texas. And the Lord has recently added them to the River in the Hills family. And so we're so blessed, so blessed. I asked the Lord, Lord, how should I, what do you want me to say? And I, like 3.30 this morning, he said, tell them, his, this is his estimation. He said, tell them she's lovesick and she's longing. And it's lovesick. And then I, I found, this popped up in my phone this morning from the Passion Translation, it has both of those words in here, so I'll just read this before you come up. Psalm 63, 1 through 4. O God of my life, I am lovesick for you in this weary wilderness. I thirst with the deepest longings to love you more, with cravings in my heart that cannot be described. Such yearning grips my soul for you, Lord, my God. I'm energized every time I enter your heavenly sanctuary to seek more of your power and drink in more of your glory. For your tender mercies mean more to me than life itself. How I love and praise you, God. Daily I will worship you passionately and with all my heart. This is how God sees you. Let's welcome Cynthia. This will help. It's uh, amazing. And just the testimony of that scripture at this moment. Sorry, I don't mean to be flinging trash. <laughs> don't litter. It's Texas. <laughs> don't mess, right? Especially not the pulpit at River in the Hills. Okay, I, sorry, I got a few props. Might need a second here. Got to hide this one. You don't see that. Um, <laughs> but that scripture actually is just is testimony of what has been happening over and over since two months ago when um, uh, Pastor Glenn asked me to preach, and he asked me for a specific date, 418. And it's, it is a very unique date, as you know which I don't even have time to go into the uniqueness of this date, except to say it is a prophetic day. And I, had he asked me any time earlier, I would not have the storyline that I've had over the last two months of, like, you don't even know what I'm speaking on, right? Right? Pastor Nate had no idea what I was speaking on. Like, the only person in here who actually knows what I'm speaking on is, is Micah. Well, and Hyde and Lily, sorry. <laughs> 
But you know what I mean? They don't know. And as this morning since Sunday school and beforehand, and I am just telling you, moment after moment, I have had nothing but prophetic confirmation over, the, over what's on my heart to tell you. And this is for months because the Lord would give me a piece and then he would confirm it. And I thought, okay, I'm done. But it's been piece after piece after piece after piece after that piece, which you will understand after I share. So I'm just honored. I'm honored to be here. I'm honored to be in this house. I'm honored. Um, I'm honored that the Lord would have me meet you five years ago at the door to the hope prayer room like relationships are doors to destinies and I feel that way and in the months that I have been here I have watched my own soul come alive I wasn't dead before but I wasn't fully alive and you all have called out gold in me you have spoken of gold you've called it out you've spoken the things that are true of me that I, I knew, but I wasn't walking in fully. And not that I am now, but boy, am I stirred to. Like, boy, am I really, really, really hungry for more. Are you hungry for more? Well, I am hungry for more for all of us. And I want you to know that today's message is not for someone else. It's for you. And when I say it's for you, I want you to know I know who I'm preaching to. And that the last few months, I have been watching this wall of glory pour in here off of this, this altar. And I'm, I'm like, this is, it really is a river in the hills. And, and, I've, and I've been seeing you all with this interesting picture of your heads surrounded by light. Like this anointing of glory and light upon you. So when I say that this message is for you, I, I, I want to honor you to say, I, I've been seeing how the Lord sees you, and I honor that. So thank you for the invitation. So without any prior conversation, as I told Nate earlier, I am continuing on his preparation for a revival series. He didn't know it was a series. He did part one and part two. Now a series. This is three. That's officially a series, right? Okay, so we are in a series, and his first message, I'm called, you all should be able to give, spout out these points. First point, a couple months ago, you remember it? Ah. Okay, all right. Keep up the good work. The good work was prayer. It was fasting, like really fasting, like not just sometimes, but pr fasting and wisdom, like being in the... The word, right. Okay, I am a teacher, so I expect some feedback. Um, and then devote yourselves to Acts 2. What was that? Prayer, fellowship, breaking some bread together, telling some jokes, laying on hands, expecting healings, gathering together weekly. And then his third point was yield to the heart of God. And then last week, maybe you remember last week. Should I put you on the spot again? Dude! Wow. Okay. First one was watch for the signs and make the turns. So respond to what he's doing now and move yourself accordingly. Like see what he's doing, jump in it. Like jump, jump in the river, right? Okay. The next one was come on. All right. I'll give him a pass for the other points. They were two months ago. Okay. All right. So again, he came back to fast and pray. Do you see the recurring theme? Nate wants us to fast and pray. And that's from the Lord. It's not just Nate, right? Okay, Jesus wants us to fat and, fast and pray. Not fat and pray. That doesn't work. 
It's like counterproductive there. Um, so fast and pray. And I want to invite you, if you aren't doing it already, right now you have an opportunity to join in in a global corporate fast. If you can go to lewingle.com, there's a 40-day fast going on. Or you can go to the Upper Room. They're doing the same one. And they have like some amazing specific focuses. But it is Israel and more points, okay? So there you go. There's your plug. And the last one was... Do the stuff. That's right. Do the stuff. Expect that he's moving and act. Like, expect that he wants to heal people. Expect that he has a message. Expect that his presence is in you and that you're placed where you are on purpose to bring his glory there. So do the stuff. So we're going to continue to look at this, but from a different angle. We're going to look at blueprints for his glory. Because his glory is revival, right? And his glory is his presence. So you could say revival, you could say glory, you could say presence, it's all the same. So blueprints for his glory. And in saying this, and I'm trying to do it without crying, but I've never done this before, but before the Lord, I'm just dedicating this message to a friend of mine who passed away a few months ago who was a pastor and a house of prayer leader in Houston who I labored with, who when I was young and immature in my giftings and callings called out the golden me. And he let me follow him where he led. And then when it was time for me to lead, he followed me. And at his funeral, his wife and my friend Jennifer shared his list of topics that he was ready to preach on next. And it was blueprints of his presence. And when I looked down that list, I went, this is the list you've given me, Lord. So this is for my friend Randy, who's in a great cloud of witnesses. So, Father, I thank you that you have a message for us, and it's an appointed day. And, Lord, I ask that you would help Cynthia to fade away. And, Holy Spirit, come and teach us. Come make known to us the things that you are speaking to each one individually. Because you are better than technology. You speak to our spirits. We don't need a phone lit up to do it. We don't need our eyes open to do it. Where you speak to us spirit to spirit. So would you take the things that are of your heart and would you give us extra grace to have them revealed to us right now in Jesus' name. So I'm going to start with what blueprints are, and I think you have an idea of what blueprints are already. And really, my husband should be talking about it because for years, he's the one who's had piles of blueprints on his desk, right? Like, I shouldn't assume I'm not the expert on blueprints, but he would have piles of them. And you know, they look like the, like the first one is of the elevation. Like, what is the building going to look like when it's done, right? So that's called the elevation, Right. Okay, good. And then, and then I know that it has like structural renderings. Rendering is a drawing, right? Yes. Okay, and then it'll have like the electrical, it'll have the exterior, it'll have the interior. And, and, and you know what happens with how you transport them? You roll them up and they look like a... They look like a scroll when you roll them out. Oh, you guys are so smart. I like this participa- participation. So the biblical definition of scrolls or blueprints comes from when Moses was given the blueprints on Mount Sinai, and the word is called tebneth. So this is the biblical definition of um, blueprints, and they are for construction. They're a pattern to follow. They're a figure. They're a copy of something, a form of something, an image or a likeness of, a model, a pattern, or a plan, right? And interestingly enough, the one thing he said not to do 
is to do, make, have any blueprints for an idol, right? We don't want to build anything that actually isn't what he's building. That's good, isn't it? Yeah, I know. I encourage myself. This is for me, and you guys get to listen. So um, I want us to, um, we're going to do like a drive through history real quick. Can you, can you go quickly with me? Okay. So we're going to look at historical blueprints of revival, historical blueprints of his presence. So this, these are the blueprints that are in the Bible. And we're going to start with the very first blueprint, which would be in Genesis. I heard it. Yes, the very first blueprints. So the very first blueprints were spoken into existence. They required no general contractor, right? I speak, it's there. And I love that uh, God has, uh, is interested in design fixtures. You know what he built first? Lighting, right? Lighting. Lighting is what he did first. And 6,000 years later, no one has run to Target to replace the bulbs, right? It, they are still, they are lit up, right? Yeah, they're lit up. Okay, so he didn't have any, any walls. There were no barriers. There were no windows. There was no obstacles. It was just um, him and man and the creation, creatures and creation dwelling together in the garden, right? Okay, so that is the beginning, the front cover. And, and what are we going to? The back cover where there will be no walls, no hidden, just God and man, no obstacles. Okay, but go back to the beginning. So we're, um, we, we start at <laughs> Genesis, and then the next set of um, blueprints is released as a set of three. They're all in one location. They're called the Mount Sinai blueprints, right? There are three things. One was released via a 3D virtual tour. Uh, yeah, tracking with me, but you'll get it. Okay, so, so Mount Sinai, let's look at um, uh, Exodus 24, at what Moses says to Mount Sinai. Now, remember, this is after the great Exodus revival, right? Everybody ups and leaves. They follow. They follow the f- burning bush. They follow the column of fire, and I mean, the column of smoke or the column of fire. So the fire literally leads them on revival. Do you guys follow that? The burning bush started it, and then they had the column. So fire was leading them in the revival of Exodus that leads them to Mount Sinai. So they're on Mount Sinai, Exodus 24. I'm going to read, starting at verse 1. It says that the Lord says to Moses, come up here, right? Come up to the Lord. Worship from afar. That means to the whole rest of the congregation because he, he knew they, that most of them were very sinful and that if they came near, they would die. But to Moses and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu and 70 of the elders of Israel, they went up and they saw the God of Israel. There were under his feet, as it were, a pavement of sapphire, like the very heaven for clearness. So they had an encounter, a virtual, 3D virtual tour of heaven, but it wasn't virtual, like it was real. And um, the cloud covered the mountain. The glory of the Lord dwelt on Mount Sinai, and the cloud covered it six days. And the appearance of the glory of the Lord was like a devouring fire, on top of the mountain, in the sight of all the people of Israel. So look at the design elements that the Lord chose for his house. Sapphire floors, devouring fire, smoke that fills the room, trembling mountains, loud trumpets, lightning and thunder, and a throne. And he's really into hospitality. He had a large dining table, right? He invited them up, and they sat at a table with him and dined. 
they had a meal. They saw him and had a meal with him. Okay, so the next one from Mount Sinai, the next set of blueprints that happens is in Exodus 20 through 24. These are the blueprints of life. You recognize them as? Yes, so these are the verbal blueprints. This is how you can live so that you can be without sin and be what? Near to me. Yeah, because something happened with Adam that put up some walls. So here, this is my doorway. If you can go through this doorway, then we can be near to one another because he wants to dwell with us. And then he gave us another set of blueprints, right? He's, he's really handing out directions here. So he hands out one more. What's the name of the next set? The tabernacle. The, he gives the blueprints for the tabernacle because he wants a way to, to physically dwell with him. And he releases, and this is in Exodus 25 through 31, he releases the measurements. He re- releases design details, color palettes, lampstands, incense, textiles, skins. He re- woven fabrics. He releases ba- Full directions for basins to wash in, for a place for animals to be sacrificed, to pay for sin so that sinful man could come near to him. And then the peace de resistance, right? The whole design element feature is the Ark of the Covenant. That the mercy seat where the fire of God in his presence is going to be and dwell with his people. Right? He releases blueprints. And Nate, you will love this. And he picks one contractor. He's like, this is my contractor. I will have no other contractor. It is the most expensive contractor, but I have all the money you need. It co- only one contractor. It's Be- Bezalel Construction Company because he is good at everything. He can do metal. He can do uh, wool, right? He can do gold. He can do skins. He, whatever you give him, he's going to give the best. And the Lord wanted the best, right? All right. So are you, are you swirling with blueprints? Okay, so the next blueprint you're going to recognize is one you are very close to. It is an incomplete blueprint. They're the blueprints that David gets for his tabernacle. And now those are found in, uh, in First Chronicles. And David, of course, is king. He's man after God's own heart. And because he wants a dwelling place for God and because his heart burns to be before him day and night, and that's all he asks is to dwell in his house, he builds him a tabernacle. And he pays for 288 singers. And he plays for 4,000 musicians. Yes, Lord, pay the singers and musicians. And so that worship can go before the throne because he's worthy 24 hours a day, Seven days a week, 365 days out of the year, but I said it's incomplete, right? Amos 9-11 is an, is an end times passage, and it says, I will raise up the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down. We're in the fallen down stage. And repair its damages, and I will raise up its ruins and rebuild it as in the days of old. You are in the rebuild. Because Malachi 1.11 says that in every place incense will arise. Right? So you're part of the rebuilding of that one. Ongoing construction project. So you know the next one that David gave his money to. Right? Billions. He gave billions. The equivalent of billions to, for Solomon, his son, to build what? The temple. That's right. And you all know that story. Or if not, you can go look it up. And it's in Second Chronicles. But I want you to see one particular passage. And that is that when he dedicated it in Second Chronicles 7-1, when that construction project, those blueprints were complete, 
heaven answered. So 2 Chronicles 7.1 says, when Solomon had finished praying, and that was dedicating the temple, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offerings and the sacrifices and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. The glory of the Lord filled the temple. So fire and glory are his seal of approval right? My seal of approval. I'm moving in. I'm bringing my fire and my glory. That's what happens when he moves into a temple, right? Okay. So then he moves to some different, I want to move to different blueprints. I want to move to human blueprints, right? Psalm 139 says that we are knit together in our mother's room, correct? We're knit together. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. And 1 Corinthians 6.19 says, did you not know that you're the temple of the Holy Spirit? Right, so <laughs> I, I want you to know that we are temples. His blueprints are on us. The same way that billions were spent on the, on the temple, the blood of Jesus worth more than buildings was spent to build us. Right, so that we could be temples of the Holy Spirit. And I want you to know that as Jesus died, what happened to the veil? Right, it tore because that fire and that glory left the room. Because where did it go? Yeah, fill this room. Right, fill this room. Acts 1-4, right? What Nate says, be that Acts 1 and 2 church. What did they look like? Acts 1 verse 4 says, being assembled together with them. He commanded them, don't depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you've heard from, of from me. Like, I've been telling you about this. This is what's coming. He's always telling us what's to come. Verse 8 says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in all Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And chapter 2 when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord and in one place. And suddenly there came like a sound from heaven. As a rushing mighty wind and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire and one sat upon them. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit. They began to speak in other tongues and the Spirit gave them utterance. The glory left the building and it went into human blueprints. Are you guys tracking? All right. I'm encouraged. I hope you are too. So Jesus said, you know, he's the, he's the contractor of the coming kingdom. Okay. So we went, we know these places. He wanted to dwell with us. He's done all these ways to have his glory and flyer, fire be in us, but he's not done, right? We're, we are in an end times appointed hour right now. And he has blueprints for what is coming. He says, behold, I go to prepare a place for you. So let's look at the blueprints for what is coming. Where are your temples going to? Revelation 21. This is John. He says, he carried me away in the spirit to a great high mountain and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, having the glory of God, its radiance, like a most rare jewel, like a jasper, clear as crystal. And I saw no temple in this city, for its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. And the city has no need of the sun or moon anymore to shine on it, for the glory of God gets it, gives it light, and its lamp is the lamb. 
By its light will the nations walk, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it, and its gates will never be shut day and night. He is the lamp. He is that light. He is that fire. He said, I am the light of the world. And he is the blueprint, the light of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ, right? That's 2 Corinthians 4, 6. Like the light of the glory of God in the face of Jesus. That's what we long for, right? If you want to be a blueprint that looks like him and be ready for that, this is the blueprint you got to like get up real close to. Let me see your face, God. So we're standing in between two construction projects, right? We got our own. We're, we got, well, actually three. We got this Amos. We're building the house of prayer together, and this one is coming. And he has something to say to us today so that we can prepare this temple for that temple, right? That heavenly home that's coming down. Are you guys with me? All right, we're going to look at, and, and you know this is for us, right? Okay, it might hit you a little hard. Are you ready? Can you let me do that? Okay. It's not for somebody else. It's for me. That's what I've been getting. All right. So Revelation 3 is his message to the end times church. It's not to somebody else's church. It's actually to River in the Hills church. Ugh. Right? But it's to me. It's to you if you will allow it. So Jesus comes in, general constructor, general contractor, and he comes in and said, you got a problem with your temples. Cynthia, you got a problem with your temple. Your thermostat is off. You're not hot. You're not cold. You are lukewarm. And you don't realize it. You don't realize it. You think you're hot. You think you're on fire. But really, your version of being on fire looks a little bit more like a YouTube video screen of a fire. It looks like fire, but can you get warm from it? That's lukewarm fire. But we're created to be something else. We're created to what? We're created to burn. What burns, like really burns, that you know of? The sun. Uh Uh-huh. A little bit bigger than that, right? The sun burns. That is the definition of burning. You guys tracking with me? We think we're lit up. We think that we got a lot of fire. We think we got oil stored up. Are we on fire? Yeah. Do we have oil stored up? Yeah. Are we burning? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It stings, right? Like it sears. And yet it's like, oh, but that feels so good because you're right. And I want to burn. Because we have a loving father. He doesn't tell us things to shame us, right? He comes in like the general contractor to the building that he built 20 years ago when you said yes to him. And he said, hey, there's some things that are run down in here. You got like a slouch couch going on. And, and I, want, I want a rest. I want a, I want a peace place for you to rest on Sabbath, not the slouch couch. You know, I have things for you. You're, you're dining on happy meals. And I've got meals at my table of relationship. 
You're blinded and fascinated by imitation, uh, imitation illumination. Blinded and, blinded and fascinated, but I want you to see what I am doing. I want you to know the kingdom that is coming. I want you to know that your hope is in heaven, and I am preparing a place for you, and I am coming back, and I have a way for you to get there, but you need to burn. You're called to be burning and shining lamps, right? So I want you to look. I want you to look at Revelation 3. Am I okay to go a couple more minutes? Okay, the church in Laodicea, this is the scripture. I'm going to read it to you. Holy Spirit, instruct us. And the angel of the church of Laodicea write, these things says the amen and the faithful and the true witness, like the only one who can adequately diagnose our experience, right? Swiping left and right and scrolling on Instagram doesn't diagnose me as being better than someone else and therefore okay. The only person who can be a true witness to my own heart is Jesus, Verse 15, I know your works, that you're neither cold nor hot, like like a cup of coffee that's not iced and filled with mocha, and it's not hot and have half and half in the morning. It's been sitting out all day on the counter and thinks it's coffee, and I would spit it out of my mouth. Right? No good. So then, because you're lukewarm, neither cold nor hot, I'll vomit you out of my mouth. Because you say, I'm rich. I've become wealthy. I go to River in the Hills Church. I get up every morning. I, got it. I read the word. I'm going through my plan. I go to the prayer meetings. I do the stuff. I'm checking off my list. I'm wealthy. I have no need of nothing. But you don't realize that you are wretched. Do you know what wretched means? It's not what you think. It's, it's, this is not the father going, you're wretched. I don't, you know, it, it's, it, you, you have to not hear it with shame and condemnation. You have to hear it with, you're actually wretched, Cynthia. You're distressed inside. You are afflicted by the th- culture around you. You're afflicted by internal dialogue. You're weighed down from hardship. That's actually your condition, Cynthia. You're pitiable. What does that mean? Do you know what that means? It means miserable. You look one thing, but actually, Cynthia, I know you're miserable. I know there's things that are miserable on the inside. You're poor. Your head is actually down. You're spiritually poor. You're blind. You're not seeing things right. And do you know that even as I wrote this sentence right here, I, I went like this. I, had had, I have had something stuck in the corner of my eye for three years that I've been unable to get out. And I, I, wasn't, I just rubbed my eye, and it came out as I wrote that. You can't make that stuff up. And you're naked. Like, you think you're clothed in white garments, but I know the rags that you've been putting on or the ones that the culture has soiled you with has thrown up all over you. I know where you live, Cynthia. You think that you're clothed in white garments, but you're not. And he says in verse 18, I counsel you, like my heavenly Father who loves me so much, I counsel you. I'm telling you, buy gold from me, refined by the fire. Do you know what that is? It says buy gold that you can be rich. It doesn't cost any money to buy gold from him. It is completely free. 
It costs relationship. It costs sitting down at that long table and talking with him, dining with him on his word. Dining, what, what does he have to say? Like buying gold from him is actually a conversation with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Like what do you, Jesus, what do you want to say to me? He's the only light that can light up the dark places in us, the dim places in us. And he says, and white garments so that you could close yourself, so you can close the shame of your nakedness. Like he wants to clothe us. He wants to cover us. He never wants to expose us. It's not his nature. But there's a divine transaction on the inside. And he wants to give us um, oil for our eyes to anoint them with salve so that we can see. So that we can see, so we can wake up, arise, and shine. Right? Wake up my soul. You and you alone are waking up my soul. This is the waking up of the soul. Verse 19 says, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore, be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. I know that this scripture is a behold, I stand at the door and knock salvation scripture. But do you know in its context, it is to the church in Laodicea. Behold, I stand at your, do- your door, church of La- lukewarm church. And I, and I stand at that door. If anyone hears me and opens wide that door, I will come in and dine with him and he with me. I will come into that conversation and and I will talk to you about it. And then verse 21 says, to he who overcomes, like what is the overcoming? Open up that door and let him in. I know you've opened up. Most of you have opened up the door. And if you haven't, today's the day to, to open it for the very first time and say, Jesus, I want you to come in. I want you to be Lord of my life. I believe in you. And I want, you, I want that. He who has an ear to hear, let him hear. He grants us to sit on his throne when we do this. So revival starts not out here. It starts in here. It is going to be out there, and it already is, and you already see it. But I am saying, I believe that this is an hour that he wants to do something in us. And Luke 4.18 is about, a, it's about this. It's about him coming and healing the brokenhearted, the broken places in our temples, the brokenhearted. And he sees you. He sees what you've been through. He sees what the culture has done. He knows the age that we're in, and he knows what is coming. And he's saying, fling it wide open. Let's talk, because I want to make you ready, and I want you to burn for me. I want you to burn. Why don't you guys stand? As I was preparing and getting revelation of that door opening, I had revelation, and you can just close your eyes, that the, the scripture right after this is Revelation 4. And there's no page breaks, there's no chapter marks in Revelation. So right after opening the door to Jesus and letting him come in, he responds in Revelation 4 by opening the door to the throne room and revealing his glory. And he wants to open doors of glory to us as we open the door to our heart to him in a new way. 
Father, we come before you. And you're well, you can posture yourself how, any way you want. If you want to kneel, you want to stand, you want to raise your hands, you want to put your hands out. We come before you, Lord. Your beloved ones in whom you are so pleased in love. It's saying we are wretched and blind and poor and lukewarm, Lord, compared to what you've designed us to be. And we want to be burning and shining lamps. Lord, would you give us grace to fling wide the door of our heart to the fire of God and say, come, come and burn up anything that hinders love. Come and burn up the lesser lesser pleasures. Come and make the things that were good, but don't satisfy, go away. That we would be hungry for what truly satisfies. That we would burn for what really ignites us. That we could store up oil of relationship with you. And if you want, would you put your hands on your eyes? Lord, would you... Heal our eyes. Would you put eye salve on our eyes that we could see you face to face in our ears? Lord, would you help us to listen to you? Would you help us to listen? And then if you put your hand on your heart, Lord, would you just come? This is your home. Come make your home again. Come renew me. Come remake me. Come restore me to what you, the great blueprints that you had for me before the foundation of the earth. The great high calling of each one in this room. And Lord, would you release your glory here? your glory, your fire, your relationship. In Jesus' name.